What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening to the show, thanks for checking it out. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes and uh, writing a review. Give the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts, which will uh, give it more visibility on the national and international level and just help strangers find the show, help grow the show, and uh, just a free way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. just takes a couple minutes. Um, and you can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances and live show performances. And DanCablePresents.com, the central location to find everything. That new episode pops up there every Friday. Or you can just hit subscribe on, on iTunes, and then you'll also know right away when it's available. But uh, that is there. And at DanCablePresents on Instagram is the place to follow me on the old social medias. We got episode 185 in store for you. Had Jeff, the singer and guitar player from Freezing Cold on the line to uh, chat about the new Freezing Cold album, the debut record from the band called Glimmer, which I have been digging quite a bit. So I'm stoked to, uh, to share this episode with you, and we'll get into it momentarily. I do want to shout out couple uh couple dates going on i've got a uh an ernie moose johnson dj set that i'll be throwing down at uh ron toms here in portland oregon on november 16th so i'm pretty stoked about that one that one's gonna be a real banger over there at ron toms november 16th dj sets feeling uh feeling real good about that one it's been a while since i've uh it's been about a month or, or so maybe even two since since the moose got out there and and did his thing, so I'm uh, I'm pumped for that one. Gonna be uh, spinning a bunch of uh, hip hop, funk, soul, R and B. Definitely gonna have a lot of locals on the uh, in the library that night. So uh, listen for those locals, those deep cuts, those classics, and uh, everything in between. It's gonna be it's gonna be really dope and. Uh, I feel really out of the loop, to be honest with you, on on local shows here at the very moment here in Portland, Oregon, since the uh, since the library came to a close. I feel like I have uh, I've kind of like taken taken a couple weeks or so since since that went down, and and I just uh, been kind of taking some time to to chill out and relax, and just haven't been uh, paying attention as much. So. I will uh I will get things back on track though. I do want to mention this show though. Uh former guest of the podcast, my man Chris Frank of the Frank Irwin Quintet. Um a recent episode, I believe in the 170s, it was part of the uh the Jazz Month that I did 
back in uh, in August. But uh, Chris Frank is uh, a good friend of mine, and uh, I love the music that that dude is making and uh, the the mind behind it. Um, definitely check out that episode. But uh, he's got a, an album release. There, the Frank Irwin Quintet is dropping a new EP on November first at Strum Guitars, and uh, he's also got some videos up on their YouTube channel now. If you search Frank Irwin Quintet in YouTube, there's some live videos from uh, Super Secret Studios, which is a really dope recording studio here in Portland, Oregon, which is ran by. Uh, past guests of the show super secret band so um yeah just a lot of uh a lot of dan cable presents fam intertwined together and whatnot so uh but november 1st that's going to be a killer show at strum guitars i've not been to strum guitars yet it's it's really rad though it's a it's a guitar shop with a bar and a venue inside so uh, i'm looking forward to to hitting that show and seeing the uh the EP release for Teleportations, Frank Irwin Quintet. I'll be there. You should also be there. And uh, Soft Kill is playing Portland, Oregon on Halloween, but that's, I believe, is already sold out in Mississippi Studios, so see about getting tickets for that. That was uh, probably my favorite episode of the podcast. So uh, big, big shout-out to Tobias from Soft Kill and the rest of the band. But uh, I think that's it. Don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews. Can't stress the importance of those enough in uh, just contributing to the sustainability of this thing. And like I said, I appreciate the people that have already taken the time to uh, to write a review. It really helps, really helps strangers find the podcast if we can get it into that top 150 on the iTunes. So uh, help out if you can. But episode 185, can't believe it. We're already 185. 15 away from the big 200 and uh one of the joys of this podcast has been getting to talk to bands that are not from the portland area as well and kind of spreading out and it seems that there's been a uh, fair amount of bands from new york on this podcast now i think the rad trads were maybe the most recent band from new york that was a killer episode and that band is amazing and uh before that tough old bird was on the show those those two dudes were from new york fort vine's been on the show in the past there's and there's some others gabriella marlena she was on the show but yeah lots of bands from new york so it was a pleasure to get to talk to jeff from uh freezing cold and that is where they are based out of i'm gonna put all the links in the episode notes so you can follow along like I said, I've been digging the hell out of uh, out of this record, this uh, this Glimmer record from Freezing Cold, their debut LP, and uh, they also have an EP before this, which has some uh, a few really cool songs as well. So if you if you dig what is featured on this and you you find the Glimmer record, uh, go back and check out the three song EP as well. And their drummer Angie is on tour. Um, with Sleater Kenny right now. She's playing drums in Sleater Kenny right now. That's so killer. So check out the Sleater Kenny dates if you want to see Sleater Kenny and Angie from Freezing Cold tearing it up on drums for them. And we talk about Jay Robbins, who mixed and engineered this record, who uh, has uh, a really cool catalog of tunes that that he's been a part of, including his his own band, Jawbox, and... Uh, 
yeah, we chat about that in the episode, so I don't need to tell you about it right now, but I'm stoked for this one. It's episode 185, and uh, freezing cold's on the show. We're kicking it off with the first track off the Glimmer record. This song is called New Ways to Wait. Let's do the damn thing. Hey, Jeff. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? Not bad. Thanks for uh, jumping on the line with me to talk about uh, some freezing cold stuff. Yeah, of course. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. All right. Awesome. Um, yeah, man. I got sent uh, your Glimmer record at the uh, beginning of September, a couple weeks before you dropped that record. And uh, 
was just hooked in right away from that new ways to wait track that opens up the record so i'm just uh yeah was super pumped to to dive into the rest of it and get a chance to chat it up with you a little bit about the band and where y'all come from and making this record and whatnot sure thanks so much i'm glad you like it yeah absolutely um you guys have been a band for a couple years now yeah kind of feels like a short time just a couple years and this, is, this is our debut album yeah absolutely and uh y'all are the band started in new york yeah the band started uh in new york 2017 okay and mm-hmm. were uh were all of you originally from the the new york area yeah actually everybody in the band uh know each other and grew up on long island and then um kind of played in bands in Brooklyn and the surrounding areas in New York city. And since, you know, you know, since then. And so we've known each other for, for quite a while. Right. Around, did, had, do you ever, uh, had you guys ever played in bands together previous to, to starting freezing cold? No. So a lot of our bands played shows together really, op- really often and book shows together. Um, uh, you know, even out of town, like our, our bands would meet up and play together. Um, but yeah, this is the first time the three of us played in a band with one another, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, were, you, were you guys fans of each other's music growing up and seeing each other's bands around? Yeah, for sure. Um, Angie was in a lot of bands that I would see all the time and, and our bands would play with all the time. Same with Nick. Uh and I can remember being in, in in the tour van in one of my other bands and like the one band that not the one band, but one of the bands that we could like always agree to listen to was uh, Angie's band Little Ones, which we would always listen to in our band all the time. Nice. Um, and uh, actually, some of those some of those records were on Salinas, which put out um, the Freezing Cold album. And uh, yeah, those are those are still some of like my favorite records that my friends have made throughout the years. Oh, that's that's killer to get to be yeah. in a in a band with somebody that you are a fan of in that way. Yeah, for sure. And Angie actually played guitar in that band and plays drums in this band. Okay. Mm-hmm. How did it? Uh, how did it end up working out that you all started playing music together? Um, well, I I guess the only time that I actually didn't live in New York in my life, I moved to Philadelphia for a couple of years, and when I moved back to New York, I was looking for a practice space. Um, you know, all of our apartments are small and we don't really have room to play pretty often. Um, so, you know, we rent rehearsal spaces like that, that are shared with, you know, like our rehearsal space now probably has 10 people that share it. Um, and so I was looking to get into a practice space and I emailed Angie or called Angie. I can't remember uh, to see if there's any space. A bunch of our friends had a space kind of near where I lived. And, you know, kind of at the end of talking, I was like, oh, also, if you want to jam, I'm like living back in town again. So if you want to do that. And Angie had just um, finished playing with Inaco and was kind of for the first time in a long time, kind of free to start a new project. So I'd always been a huge fan of, everything angie had done you know be it drums or guitar singing whatever and so we just got together and started writing some songs um so that's how it was just from me moving into the practice space where she kind of managed the practice space and like she has um 
you know, again, like 10 of our friends that kind of like rotate in and out, like leave all their gear there. And, uh, you know, we kind of come in, share gear, so on and so forth. So that's how it all started. And then so, you know, we kind of like had our two nights a week where it was like, all right, these are the freezing good this before it was called freezing cold. But like, these are like our nights and we just kind of get together and right you know again kind of slow going like you know we did our demo in 2017 and uh that was like our first collection of songs and you know here we are and when you uh when you asked angie initially to jam with you were you asking her to play drums in in jamming with you or or did you not really have any sort of vision for it yet yeah drums i i I think was like probably the the idea yeah for sure and then how did uh how did nick come into the um we've been a fan of nick's playing uh in his band weed hounds um and we were you know we were kind of tossing around ideas of people and i actually didn't know nick that that well angie had known him a little better and we were kind of tossing around ideas of who to play this and she brought up nick and i was like okay that sounds like a great idea i'd really like enjoyed his playing as a guitar player he played guitar in weed hounds and uh i actually went to see his band play i can't remember who who they're playing with but i saw them at a uh, brooklyn bazaar this venue near where we live and um just like it was awesome it was a really good fit really good fit yeah and uh, so we just we just we just kind of contacted nick out of the blue and like was yeah, was he uh, was he super open to to playing bass right away? Is that something he had done in the past? You know, I don't think he had really done it in the past. I mean, it, it was kind of like a kind of like a classic, you know, guitar player moving to bass, but like, you know, w- without much problem at all. You know, it's pretty pretty fast moving i mean like our practices are pretty short and like we would kind of come up with everything pretty fast and uh as far as you were um in previous projects were you always the the singer in those those bands um not always but pretty often i had done a lot of bands where there was like two singers um but historically i'd say like probably 75 percent of the projects that i've done like i do at least some singing when did you uh when did you start writing songs? Maybe when I was like 13 or 14. Yeah, did you did you pick up a guitar around that time as well? Yeah, it was a, it was like in 6th grade like people at school started doing it and I think there was like a guitar club that I was not in and felt like kind of drawn to it and just you know kind of took it from there and then throughout the years you know was able to start touring like pretty young and like you know when i was like the end of end of being a teenager and it's kind of like carried on ever since yeah and so yeah but but i definitely started like 13 14 writing songs and like i still have a lot of like the the um i've been going through boxes a lot lately and i still like have a lot of the uh like really like embarrassing first first songs i mean even some of the current songs I write are pretty embarrassing, but like the, um, you know, some, some of like the early stuff where it's like, you know, you shouldn't get embarrassed about what you're writing when you're like 15 years old, but just certain things where it's just like, Oh, you know, I thought I'd have more aptitude for that. Then, but, um, yeah, it, yeah, so, it can be, a, yeah. it can be a little rough going through those old notebooks and files sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, uh, did all, all of you kind of, 
have the same experience then when you started this band as far as everybody had done like some touring and whatnot before jumping in? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, um, to the point where I think like a lot of our friends from around the country are like similar shared friends. I mean, obviously we know some different people, but like, you know, when we go to different towns, like I think we, we have a lot of the same friends from kind of like do playing with a lot of our same friends bands, you know, from around the country, like be it previous bands or past bands. And, and, uh, you know, and then a lot of our friends from New York kind of moving out of New York and like those being like the people that we would stay with when we, travel outside of the city and or or tour or do like a weekend here and there uh, yeah so it's it's, it's a lot of the, it's a lot of a lot of the same community from you know the past decade or so of, of playing or almost two decades of, of playing yeah did that help do you think that helped like make everything pretty natural for you all to start collaborating as a band together yeah i think so i think there's a lot of like similar jumping off points they give you if you go through even just our, our friends records that we all have, I mean, I think a lot of that is similar. I think we have a lot of the sim, like the same experiences of going to shows when we were 15, 16 on the islands. Like, and you know, that doesn't necessarily make it for collaborating easily together, but at the, at the very least it's some kind of jumping off point instead of kind of randomly showing up with a, a stranger and all of a sudden you're forced to like do this extremely intimate creative thing. So um, th- definitely a lot of like shared experience and shared interests. Do you feel uh, we're, I'm on the, I'm out of Portland, Oregon, and I've always been on the West coast. Do you, do you feel like being on the East coast has, is it like its advantages? Um, as a band being able to hit like more cities and in, in a smaller amount of space? Um, I don't know that I'd say advantage. It's definitely different um, in that you can get someone, get somewhere via car that, you know, the 95 corridor is like a pretty classic tour route uh, where you don't always have to drive super, super far. Um, so that as an advantage, it doesn't mean people go to your shows. It yeah. just means your drive. It just means your drives are short. <laughs> you know, still. This- I mean, you know, you, you can drive. You, you can drive twenty minutes in any direction. It doesn't mean anybody's going to listen to you play. Yeah, absolutely. I was just like curious if you <laughs> felt like that gave you the ability to just hit more markets and like maybe not have more people show up at those shows, but you're just like talking about all those those people in that community that you had met along the way and whatnot. I would assume that that like helps it be a tight knit thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we haven't toured the West coast yet. Um, I think hopefully we will soon. Uh, but obviously like we'll have to be, and we, we just really know less people there too. So it'd be kind of more linking up with a band that's a little bit more experienced on the West coast at this point. And, um, but you know, the drives, drives are longer. When you, when you and Angie started jamming together, did you know that, you wanted this to be a three-piece situation? Um, not necessarily. I'm not even sure that we're convinced it will stay a three-piece, but uh, sometimes it's just like necessity with schedules and stuff. It's like three people is easier. I and mean, it's like, I think that's like kind of a classic kind of cop-out answer, but like it's like, 
the less people in a, I mean, in 2019, the less people in like a group text about like what time to go somewhere, probably the easier to go to that place. <laughs> um, so I like it as a three piece. It's, I think it sounds really good live as a three piece. I love watching three pieces play. And I feel like for a long time I didn't see as many, um, but I don't know that like long-term we would be a three piece. Maybe we will. We've, we've talked about some, some other things that like, but haven't made any moves on those yet. So, yeah. Do you think being a three piece at this point kind of challenges you all to what, what you're capable of pulling off as, as three people, especially as you put, out this glimmer record which has got you know some layers to it and whatnot yeah a little bit like um we had wanted keys which is something none of us really knew how to do so uh angie kind of taught herself keyboards for this record which was really impressive and cool and <laughs> that's right and, and, I, and i like really love those parts and so you play live and you hear them in your head and you know you wait for them and then they're not there so having somebody that could play those would be nice someone that could like play another guitar could be nice someone that could play play i don't know any amount of other instruments would be cool um just kind of like an auxiliary player of some sort yeah i mean i think that's like could be could be tough to to do but yeah i mean when you record instruments on an album and don't end up hearing them when you play live i feel like that leaves you wanting a little bit like there's there's cello and violin on on the album on two songs and like i hear those when we play those songs live to the point of like i don't really like playing those songs that much because i hear those parts and like <laughs> for sure to, to get our friends that played violin and cello to come every time we played would probably be it, well not probably is impossible yeah I really dig the the harmonies and the backup vocals um, between you and Angie seems Thank to you. work really well. Um, did that kind of happen pretty naturally that she started singing backups and putting some harmonies down? Yeah, that started like as soon as we started putting words to it. That's like some of the stuff that we would work on. And you guys work on on words together? Um maybe not necessarily working on words together, but kind of working on how the words are fitting into the song or so on and so forth. Or like, where would be a good place for a harmony? Where would be a good place for, you know, more layered vocals? Like, I mean, a lot of that we did prior to going into the studio. And then a little bit we did like while we were in the studio writing our, our like we recorded this album pretty quick. So it was like we did a lot of that stuff prior um, to, to going in. And we did a little bit of vocals. Actually, we recorded after we were done tracking with Jay. Um, from, what I, from what I remember, but yeah, that's how that usually worked out. We would, we would do that pretty early on in the writing. When you say a short amount of time of making the record, how many days ballpark did you spend in the studio? It was five days total. Oh. That's it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like no ballpark. That's what it, that's what it was. It was like it was definitely five days, and uh, yeah, that's that that's how much time we could budget. How much our you know budget budget was. Um, we really wanted to. 
recorded Jay Robbins, who I've recorded recorded some other stuff with in the past, and like we're just in love with his music and and recording style and um, just the way he works. And so we went down to Baltimore, and uh, we were like, okay, we're gonna do five days, and we were pretty sure that we could do it if we were prepared. And so we just got pretty prepared, and we were just like, we you know kind of had to be okay with like not trying the same part 8,000 times because you're probably just doing it fine. Yeah. And just like, you can keep, you can kind of keep moving and having that piece in front of you where you're like, okay, well it's three days, three days have gone by and that's over half the amount of time. So, um, just knowing that ahead of time and kind of having a plan sketched out was cool. And we talked to Jay before we went and did it. And I was like, okay, if we can do, do you think it's possible to do it in five days? And he was like, yeah, he was like four could be really cutting it. You know, seven, seven would be great if you can do it. And it was just like, at the time we couldn't do seven just in one kind of trip. And we were just, we really wanted to get it out. We'd kind of been sitting on these songs for a while. And so getting in there was like a, a major priority. And it's like, if we didn't finish, we would have figured it out, but we did finish and like are, are pretty happy with what, what happened. And sometimes I feel like, you know, five days, it's like, if you know your songs very well, like five days is the songs that you write are going to come out in five days. Yeah. They may, you, you may not do everything like exactly how you wanted, but the songs that you wrote are going to be on the record. Well, it's, it's like sounds... people can take a people can take a month and rent a house and everything like that. And I wish that we had the ability to do that um, with everything, you know, that would be amazing. But it's like that you write, you write, you have infinite time to write songs. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's great that, you know, you obviously did the prep work necessary because the record came out super rad. And Thank you. Yeah, you, you wouldn't be able to, like, tell if it was done in five days necessarily, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely stuff on there where I'm like, I know that I'm maybe messed up or something like that or I could have done something better, but it's kind of just like that's what it was and that's what you did when the microphone was there and so... Yeah, uh, the vocal delivery overall is something that I enjoy quite a bit in the band. And um, one of the things I dig is you you seem to kind of have these two different voices that you seem to operate in. Just um, just kind of dig some of the more like ad-libby um, stuff that you do. Like in a song like Mall Walker, when you're doing the next day, starts starts the same way. And then bouncing from in and out of that into the full voice stuff is a is a very cool contrast thanks yeah is that is that always been part of your style um i think there's like definitely bands that i've been in that have been like pretty yelly and there's a lot of like yelliness to those projects i'm not that's not something i'm super wanting to do at the moment um but like it, it does come out a little bit uh, and then like some of the more talky, um, talky stuff, I think that maybe you're referring to, like, I think that's just, that's the part themselves. And like the lyrics are a little conversational yeah. at times. And so maybe that comes out. It's like, uh, I don't know that I do it a ton on the record, but it's definitely, it's definitely in that song, Mall Walkers. Yeah, for um, sure. It seems to happen through like on a few times throughout the record. And it's definitely a cool, uh, a cool flavor like it definitely feels like like you were saying just kind of very conversational and uh yeah 
yeah, I just really dig the vibe and and the the wordplay that uh, that you mess with is is great too. Thanks. Yeah, and uh, I guess one we can we can jump into a, another track off the record. Um, Teenage Insights is definitely one of my favorite jams, and I feel like this is uh, this is one of those songs that kind of has some of those conversational moments. I feel like when you do like the how's your summer, how's your week, I feel like is is in that in that realm. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, that's like, I mean, that's like a, definitely a conversational thing. I think I, I even think like in the liner notes, those are in quotes. Oh, like as a, yeah. That's right. It's like, you, yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's jump into it. This is uh, off the, the Glimmer record, Free, Freezing Cold, and this is Teenage Insights. Awesome. So how did you uh, initially end up working with Jay Robbins? I know you said you worked on some solo stuff with him. 
Um, not solo stuff, but a different band that I was in. Okay. Um, and uh, again, just being fans and then connecting probably like 2011 for a different project, um, recording a full length with Jay in like, I want to say 2011, it could be 2010, but, and then, um, mix some other stuff and just kind of was the, the first choice really that, that we started talking about. And then with our schedules, our personal schedules, and also recording outside of New York in a situation where it was like, we had to remove ourselves from, you know, our lives here for a set number of days was something that I, we weren't sure that we were going to do, but at least if we could go and be at least hundred percent focused on the album, again, even if it's just for five days. So we contacted Jay like to, to take a look at, at his schedule and our schedule. And, um, you know, we recorded, recorded March of 2019 and like pretty soon then after like the, the record was out, I feel like recording in March and then releasing in September is like a, fairly quick turnaround yeah. like track tracking in march and then and then the vinyls in your hands in september um is a, is a pretty quick turnaround so yeah i mean we had just talked to jay and like you know pitched him the idea of doing a record in five days and you know he's amazing and can basically do anything from what i can tell so he was like yeah i'll do i'll do a record in five days let's do it and we did it yeah he's... And, and you know like several of our friends had recorded with him recently too and kind of just like had kept just recording such amazing music and like i don't know if you've heard his new solo record it's awesome he's coming and playing in brooklyn like in a couple weeks i'm really excited about that so it's just like everything just sounds really good and like tracking with jay is is really um a pleasure yeah he i did check out a couple of his tracks off his new record right before we got on the phone and uh just overall, I mean, Jay's got like a pretty impressive catalog of records that he's worked on. Um, like he worked on Bleed American from Jimmy World, which is one of my favorite bands and favorite records of all time. So that's that's rad. And like he did the like some Against Me stuff and yeah, part of and he's part of Jawbox, which is another like cool band. Yeah, yeah, he he's we um. We saw two of the reunion shows recently. We saw one in New York, and then we saw the uh, the Jawbox show in Austin, and that was really really good. The Jawbox show in uh, in New York, our friend's band Lepesh played. He recorded those records too, and those are really good. Uh, what it is? Uh, what is what is it uh, about about Jay's style that that you think brings out good good tunes? Um, he has a ear in a way that i don't know that i could like verbalize how what's good about it it's just like a lot of it is like the style of communicating too it's like he will be able to explain explain what he's hearing in a way that like you understand quick and like he hears what you're hearing pretty quick and is also like you know in my experience at least like totally prepared to be honest with you about what he's hearing or ideas that he's hearing and go down a rabbit hole about it. And then, you know, if it's not working out, like to move on to the next thing and just like be organized the entire time. And so, um, yeah, a lot of it's just like the style in the studio of working back and forth and kind of being like, okay, let's like do this guitar part like four times 
pick the best one and then like keep it moving or like, Hey, do that again. And I never, you know, I never wonder if I shouldn't be doing the vocal part again. I just kind of just do it. And it's like, all right, we're going to get it. We're going to do that song in a half hour. And that's kind of be, that's going to be what it is. Again, that's our experience in like working in five days. I'm sure if you had more time, you would have the, have the luxury of like doing those things more, but yeah, um, it's a, yeah. Just like, just being able to do something under pressure like that, being like, Hey, we're going to get into this thing where we're going to record a full album and it needs to be done in five days. Like, are you up for it? We're up for it. And just like taking that project on and being able to like nurture the album at the same time while making sure it gets done. Yeah. And just being able to trust him that, that he will know that you got the, the tracks necessary to put together the record that you want to make. Yeah. It's also like his, I don't, I could not really tell you much about how mixing works, but uh he's real good at it so that's that's a really nice thing too it's like you you know that like if you're recording something it's gonna end up there even if it's a layer but like it's not it's not getting lost it's not like something you're gonna hear back and not be happy with how it how it ends up on the album because that's definitely something that that happens is like you record something you love the way it sounds in the room and then you get it back on vinyl you get it back in your headphones and it doesn't it doesn't sound the same or it doesn't have the same like shimmer or it doesn't have the same quality to it and um that's one thing that we knew that if we went in with jay that like if it sounded one way in a room it was going to sound that way or better when you got it back in your headphones or on your turntable yeah dude the record sounds so good all the way around i've listened to it in in headphones a bunch of times and i've listened to it on some other speakers in the car and whatnot and just have enjoyed it over and over again and i think it has a great length to it in in which it kind of makes you just want to listen to it again when it's over. I hope so. Thanks. Yeah. And um, is is sequencing something that you all spent a long time on, or did you kind of have that pretty mapped out? Um, I think we knew going in like what a couple of our favorites for things like first song or like first song in the side B were, I think we kind of knew those. Um, and then it was kind of just like sending a list back and forth and like writing down lists and handing it to each other until it was eventually done. And like, just, just kind of listening back and be like, Oh, that song kind of ends the same as that one. Well, we're not going to put them next to each other. And it's just, you know, you only, if you agree on what song you're going to start with and what song you're going to end with, or you agree with like what the first, song the b-side is there's not that many options right until you're just until you're just like well we ha- if we don't send this in today we're not going to get the records in time for the release show so let's like send this in now um also i think kind of like from a lyrical perspective there was i mean it's not a, a concept record or anything like that it's not like things are moving from one song to the, the next in that way but I, I you know i think like that's another thing that kind of decides where something is gonna land yeah, I think there's a really great balance of up tempo and down tempo on the record and there seems to be just a lot of a lot of dynamic on this on this record. And uh yeah, like Skyriding is such a killer slow jam. Thank you. And I think a great representation of of that balance between some of the uh the bigger songs, the heavier songs. And and that goes into like one of the heaviest songs in Squint to See, which has like a really heavy tone to it. 
Yeah, yeah. I, those songs are definitely kind of both outliers, I think. Like, skywriting being, like, a, you know, like, kind of the most acoustic thing, I think, that we we have done in, like, a, from, like, a lyrical perspective. Because, like, not all the songs on the record are, like, necessarily personal. Some of them are stories with characters and... um you know, narratives from, from characters, even if that's not like obvious, but skywriting is definitely a personal song. And that like, it's a song that I, I started writing, um, a couple months before my daughter was born. And it was like, and about like some of the nervousness of that. And like, you know, are you prepared for all these things? Like, have you prepared enough and, and all the, the, the mental stuff that goes in with that and then finished writing it after she was born. And it was just like, um, it's like okay is this going to just kind of stay something for me to just kind of have it's like a personal thing or is this something I'm going to record and share with people um, and then Squint to See I, I think just sonically is is an outlier on the record just in, in that it's heavier I mean it's definitely heavier and then we added strings to it too which just gives it a, a quality that's, that's not like very present on the rest of the album I love that song too yeah and and even those are like, even though both those songs you would recognize maybe as outliers, I feel like they they fit into the record so well. I like, hope so. They don't like yeah. feel out of place or anything. And I think it's such a rat. Like Pillbox is probably my favorite song on the record. So that cool. to go like right into Skywriting is is very cool. Um, have you always kind of written, been able to write from different perspectives, whether it's like a personal thing or writing from a character's perspective? Um, I don't know that I've always been able to do it. I, I mean, I think with this, you know, I think like with this record, I don't know that I like had it entirely in me to do like a, um, kind of like journaling of just about my like personal life, like 10 songs, 11 songs about my personal life or anything like that. And I, I didn't know that we were going to do like 11 songs of just like issue based, um, lyrics, something like that. But I think a lot of it was like, okay, there's some things that we want to say or like stories that we want to tell, like perspectives that we're interested in, um, exploring and just kind of taking it from there or like just kind of seeing a person or like thinking about a person and whatever, and then just kind of, um, letting the, letting their voice be the, the, you know, the, the one in the lyric. Yeah. Kind of letting, uh, some other people's ideas be represented through the songs and not just your own. Yeah, I mean, just or or just other people's stories or other objects' stories. I mean, that's like uh, that's definitely something that's on there. Or, but I mean, a lot of a lot of the feelings in there, I think, are are universal. A lot of the like perspectives are universal, but like it might be told from you know, you talked about mall walkers, like that 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 song is told from the perspective of like someone that draws caricatures at like a booth in the mall. <laughs> like that's like you know but I'll, i mean i don't draw anything and i'm not you know like and i don't work in a mall but like a lot of the like feelings i feel like i i would like to think are are relatable um whether it's that way or not i mean sometimes i don't think that it's obvious that that's what what's happening there sometimes but if that comes through that's cool 
No, I I just love that like the uniqueness of something like that, like to use that person's point of view to to write something and find that that common thread. Cool, thanks. Um and yeah, I like all the songs all have lines of lyrics that I look forward to every time the song comes on and and I think that like they do all kind of have their own their own vibe and seem to tell their their own story which is very cool that's really nice thanks yeah absolutely um what is uh what is that creative process between the three of you look like at this point is it usually you bringing the bones to a song to angie and nick and and then jamming it out from there or um sometimes uh, a lot of it is like we'll write in the studio some of it um, I really like writing to drums a lot and Angie's a super creative drummer. And sometimes I'll just be like, Hey, play like a beat that you really enjoy or that you really like, or that you'd like to play often. Cause these are songs that we're going to play often. Right. So it's like play a beat that you'd like, like to play often. And then like, I try to write to that. Like, that's a really fun way to write for me. Um, and then, you know, maybe I'll write a little bit of guitar and Nick will write a little bit of bass. We'll listen back. We'll talk about it. Um, and then I'll take it home and maybe bring a little bit more next time. It's pretty rare that I come in with like full songs. And uh, a lot of the times I'll come in with like, when Angie and I started and I was like, okay, how are we going to do this? I would write like five different parts. It would just be different songs. Right. And I'd be like, okay, here's five different parts. I would play each of them and then be like, pick one that you want to, do and then we would listen to them all or i'd play them all on guitar and then we would just pick one and then kind of just make it our own from there and uh will nick play some guitar parts as well when in the the writing process at all or in the studio since he also plays guitar um we had definitely done that um nick didn't play any guitar on the record but i mean i can definitely remember being in my basement at home with nick and angie and angie was playing keys and me and nick were both playing guitar and we were writing that way it didn't happen a lot necessarily but like nick's input especially with like guitar sounds and things like that is like really really valuable and was really valuable in the studio too right on man well i've been enjoying the record quite a bit and uh it reminds me of of a lot of bands that i really dig and like i said i think i think it's pretty dynamic because sometimes i feel like I'm getting some some dinosaur junior vibes, and sometimes I feel like I'm getting some pine grove vibes, like with something like skywriting. So I feel like it's pretty pretty varied and all over the place, but in the best of ways. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I will I will put all the links in the episode notes so people can follow along with your band. And uh, I know that the uh, Glimmer record is available on all the streaming services. So I'll put the link up for that as well. And people can uh, purchase the vinyls online and whatnot. If they're, they're not on the East coast. Yeah, they're all, they're all there. Right they're on all man. online. Every, just like everything. It's online. Um, we're going to play it out with Pillbox, which I mentioned before is one of my favorite jams off the record and has a couple of my favorite lines like the, uh, What's forgotten first, the feelings or the words? Killer line. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we end every episode of the podcast with the guest of the show saying the tagline, which is, it's a program. So if It's you, a program? Yeah, just like that. 
So if we get right. the uh, the freezing cold, it's a program. We can sail this thing out. It's a program. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate Thank you. Appreciate your time. And, I appreciate uh, you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. We're going to play it out, everybody, with, uh, with Pillbox off the Glimmer record from Freezing Cold. That is the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. What's forgotten first? The feeling or the Fall away.
It's a program. It's a program.